Thank you for listening to the Hidden and Plain Sight podcast with my dad, Matt Petrie. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to talk about why it's important to study and to recite the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed. And I'm going to be borrowing a lot from Keith Drury's book, Common Ground, and a little bit probably from uh, Credo by Ray Pritchard. So in about 2007, I started studying the Apostles' Creed because we were teaching a bunch of pastors and future ministers of the gospel, and we wanted to put something solid in them. You know, I think today people are hungry for the ancient pathways. I think many times we're done with the always needing to hear something new like the Athenians, and we're saying together, preach me something ancient. Connect me to the truths and cores of the gospel, uh, core doctrines of the gospel that connect me to Je- the stuff that's essential to getting into heaven and, and living for Jesus, right? So the Apostles' Creed does that. And I'm going to give us some reasons why we should study, recite the Apostles' Creed. But what is the Apostles' Creed? Here you go. The Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic or Universal Global Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, I love this stuff. So Keith Drury in his book, Common Ground, What All Christians Believe and Why It Matters. He says the first reason we should be studying the creed and why it's important. He says that the creed underlines the Bible. The creed underlines the Bible, specifically the New Testament. He says the creeds do not replace the Bible, but underscores its essential doctrines or it highlights its essential doctrines. They highlight the most important doctrines in the Bible upon which we all agree, upon which all Christians believe. I like to say it like this. So if we printed out the entire New Testament, let's say you and I get out a printer, we print out the entire New Testament, and we post all the sheets of paper of the New Testament on a big wall. We tape them up there. And you get a highlighter, I get a highlighter, and we start going through the New Testament together, and we highlight the areas that the gospel writers and Paul and James and John and Peter, what doctrines do they highlight or emphasize? Excuse me. What do they emphasize? And where do they say similar things, right? Where do they say similar things? And then we take out a highlighter and we highlight every place in the New Testament when we see them saying the same thing. Oh, Paul emphasized this. Peter emphasized it. You know, we, we highlight that. What we'll come up with is what the New Testament is has a core doctrine for, what, what it is emphasizing. And the creed takes those core doctrines of the Bible, the essentials, 
that the stuff that gets you into heaven, right? The stuff that's worth dying for, the stuff that's worth living for, uh, is what the creed highlights. They highlight the most important doctrines in, in the Bible upon which we all agree. And so the creed actually highlights the same things that the apostles highlighted. The apostolic gospel was not, you need an apostle. The apostolic gospel was, you need Jesus. And they preached him with emphasis. Some people have called the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, passion narratives with extended introductions. Passion narratives with extended intros. What do you, what do you think that means? It is a passion. They're describing the gospel of John as a passion narrative with an extended introduction. Well, think of the movie, The Passion of the Christ. What, what was that movie about? The Passion was about the death and burial of Jesus, right? So it's, it seems like, especially in Mark, everything in there is important. So it's, it's introductory, right? But it's, everything in the New Testament is important. But the gospel narratives, they seem to be in a hurry to get you, <coughs> excuse me, to the, to the best part. You're, you're on holy ground off in the Bible, but you're in the holy of holies, when you get to death, burial, resurrection, return stuff, right? <coughs> Excuse me. So there are passion narratives with extended introductions, which means they emphasized the death, burial, resurrection, return of Jesus. If you look at the sermons and speeches of the book of Acts and what they all emphasized, you will see if if you do a really cool study of the Old Testament prophecies concerning Jesus, they actually highlight the Old Testament prophecies that he would be born of a virgin, where he'd be born, that he'd have a forerunner named John, <clears throat> that he'd have a life of miracles, that he would live a holy life without sin before God. And they really get to cross, resurrection, return, ascension and return. And the creed highlights that. So the creed underlines the Bible. Second thing that Keith Drury says is important, what is important about the creed and why it matters. He says that the creed states minimum beliefs, minimum beliefs. He says that the creeds are sparse and thus provide a statement of the minimum beliefs for a Christian. Every Christian should believe more than what's in the creed. No Christian should believe less than what's in the creed. So if someone says, I don't believe Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, I don't believe he was born of a virgin, then you're talking about something that is not Christian. The creed says he was born of a virgin. And all of the statements in the creed highlight core doctrine. And I believe folks today are crying out for core doctrine and, and not to spend as much time on these doctrines that are not core stuff that the Bible doesn't highlight with emphasis. I don't think we should emphasize teachings that are not emphasized by Scripture. We should teach the whole counsel of God, obviously. Uh, teach, teach the whole counsel of God in the grace of God to the best of our ability. And But look at what they emphasized. And this is not just something for Easter. This is not just Easter season. This is should be on a loop in our hearts, the good news of the gospel. Paul said, my gospel, this is the gospel I preach. <clears throat> and it wasn't, you need me as your apostle. What he said was, Jesus was, 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus well, was crucified, raised from the dead. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. This is the core of the gospel. 
So every Christian should believe more than what's in the creed. No Christian should believe less. We should study the creed to remind ourselves of the core beliefs upon which all Christians agree. And man, today, we need voices that can unite us. We need to emphasize the truth of the scripture that unites us. The stuff that's believed that you need to believe or that's required to call oneself a Christian. We need to emphasize those truths. So he also says, Keith Drury says, uh, why the creed matters is that the creed defines heresy. The creeds both provide the inner core of doctrine and define the outer limits of belief. They delineate what is doctrinally out of bounds. So if it goes against what the creed highlights from the Bible, then it's not Christian. And the creed is a safe place to, to land your hat when you say, hmm, is this heresy? Because in the last days, saints, there's going to be so much deception, false Christs, even false miracles. And we're going to have to root ourselves in the truth of who Jesus is. And I love that it just... It's, it's core doctrine in that it's, it's describing who God is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we believe in you. Oh, I love this stuff. So just to move quickly here, the creed also, and this is probably my favorite reasons why, we, why the creed is important, why it matters, why she would study it, why, should we, why we should study it, why we should recite it together in services, in home groups, what have you. I would do this. And here's, here's, here's the reason why. The creed unites us. The creed unites us. Because it's highlighting the core of Scripture. <clears throat> the creed emphasizes our common ground with other Christians. Baptists, Wesleyans, Roman Catholics, Orthodox. We all disagree on many things. But we unanimously agree on the creed we unanimously agreed on the apostles creed and later on the nicene creed they unite us so we're looking for voices that will unite us well we need to have truth that unites us and there is plenty here saints if these if the truths that the creed highlights from the bible don't stir within you worship if it doesn't stir within you faith, an ancient faith that is tried and true, then we're, we're getting off track. We've been like the Athenians with the itching ears, always wanting to hear something new, always wanting to hear something new. Now, I've been around the prophetic most of my life. My mom uh, loved to be around uh, charismatic churches, prophetic churches she would take us to. You know, we were raised around, you know, the Assemblies of God and Pentecostal theology and what have you got around some charismatic churches, my mom would sneak off and we'd just go to church all the time. We'd go to a lot of charismatic churches and love that. Thank God for those expressions. And so, and I, and I noticed if, if here, here's a little side note, prophetic people, if you want to drive an apostolic person crazy, you want to know how to do that, how to do that. Here's how you drive them crazy. If you're prophetic and you want to drive an apostolically gifted person crazy, what you do is you come in every week and you prophesy something new 
without ever putting a plan together to walk out the last 17 words that you gave. That will drive an apostolically gifted person crazy because they want to put a plan together and build something that people can actually walk out. And I love the prophetic. I do not despise prophecy. I thank God for prophecy. And I want to be a person who thanks God for the ancient tried and true path. You know, hey, preach me something ancient. I don't have to hear something new. I don't have to hear something flowery. And I think this generation is saying, I just want the truth, man. I I've know this. The Lord showed me this years ago that Psalms 24 honesty is on this generation. They want the tried and true path. They want the tried and true path. So the creed unites us. It brings together. It's It emphasizes the things that we all agree upon. Every Christian believes Jesus was born of a virgin. Every Christian believes that he died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. And from there, he's going to return. These truths need to be in our heart, often, often in our heart, on, on a loop, as we say. All right, let's keep moving here. Uh, other reasons why the creed is important. Keith Drury says the creed has a long history. This is kind of what I've been emphasizing with the, the thought of preach me something ancient. The creeds are our anchor to the historic Christian faith. And I'm just going to say it again. It highlights what the New Testament highlights. I mean, if we were hanging out with Paul, Peter, James, and John, I don't think that they would be talking so much about all of the things that we preach with emphasis. They would be focused on death, burial, resurrection, return of Jesus. I really believe that <clears throat> because that's what they wrote about. That seems to be high holy ground for them. So another reason why the creed is important, Keith Drury says, the creed shows us what is worth dying for. The truths of the gospel that are worth dying for. These core doctrines are non-negotiable. We don't, we don't waver on these. We don't back off on these. We have a commitment to the truths highlighted in the creed. And if someone, it's, I call it martyr theology. The creed highlights martyr theology. It's the stuff we're dying for. I cannot deny the virgin birth of Jesus. I cannot deny that he was raised from the dead and that he's coming back from there. If you put, I hate to put it this way, but if someone put the gun to your head and said, deny the virgin birth of Jesus, you'd have to say, pull the trigger. Because this is stuff we're dying for. Not these other things that are preached with emphasis all the time. This core doctrine of the gospel is the stuff worth dying for. It's worth living for. And um, he also says that the creed is life-changing. If you focus on the truth of the New Testament, how can you go wrong? How can you go wrong if you focus with emphasis what the New Testament emphasizes? The creed is life-changing. And the thought there is orthodoxy leads to orthoproxy, right? Right belief leads to right behaviors, right practice. But it starts with belief. That's what the book of Ephesians is so beautiful. The apostle Paul spends the first three chapters just showing us who we are in Christ. He's just showing us right belief, right belief, right belief. And then um, he gets to chapter four and he starts talking about these different practices. But he gives us the belief first. So here we go. The Apostles' Creed, I'll just say it one more time. I believe in God the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.